Blog Talk Radio. From the Windy City to your city, courtside, the matchup you've been waiting for. A field of dreams for some and a long ride home for others. Sounding so good through the air, it's like you're right there. Folks, you want the score? People, she's got your game. It's the Maya Kai Show, featuring comedian Nikki Braden. She is pretty funny with your host, Maya Kai. Radio never looks so good. Happy Monday. You had to go a whole, like, what, three days without hearing us on the air. We weren't on Friday, but we are back and have a full show for you today, this Monday, which is March 14th. Of course, you're tuned into the Maya Kai Show Unplugged, featuring comedian Nikki Braden. And our sole purpose on this Monday is to help you kick your morning up to the midday. I really think we've got the show. By the first segment, you'll already be there. And everything else will just absolutely, I promise you, roll out. If you'd like to get involved in the show, as always, you can call in 310-8075-211. Social media, you know where to find us. I'm on Facebook and Twitter, at the Maya Kai Show. Nikki, how can they connect with you? Happy Monday, everybody. I know you're having withdrawal, but we are back. So <laughs> I am Nikki Braden on Facebook and Twitter, the Nikki Braden on Instagram, and the chat room is wide open for comments. All right, and if you want to know what you should be preparing to comment on, well, how the show is going to unfold, as always, that first hour, we kick it off with what's trending, those hot topics and headlines everyone's talking about, and they have a local, national, or international focus. And we'll wrap up that first hour with point of view. And i got two really interesting ones that are related to athletes, college as well as pros. I'll be curious people's thoughts on that. And then we'll start that second hour, the 1 o'clock hour, with FYI, just for your information, some things that you should know about. Say what? It's back even on this Monday. Because it's say what, you've got to be kidding me. And then we'll wind everything down with some other headlines and topics that are out there. So that's the talk that's going to be on the table that you are encouraged to get involved in. All right, with that being said, let's jump right in. In case people didn't know, Nikki, today is National Napping Day. And okay. this day, as, okay, and I personally love it. It's it marked as an annual celebration that's supposed to kind of highlight the benefits of naps because there's been multiple studies that talks about how napping can reduce, you know, blood pressure, um, enhance your productivity, reduce stress, and things like that. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, some seven benefits from napping. Not that I think we have to probably convince people they should nap, because isn't it funny no. as a child, you hate, you hate napping? Yes. And you hit a certain age and you can't wait to get a nap in. And since we're yes. now in daylight time and we lost an hour, I'm feeling like I need a nap right now. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Absolutely. We'll talk, we'll talk about that a little bit later. The benefits of why you should consider napping if it's possible for you. All right, but... We always we stay consistent. We've been doing horoscopes since last year, so we are still celebrating Pisces, which is February 19th to March 20th. We're winding that sign down. What's in store for Pisces today? Okay, if you are confused about a big decision, you need to get more information. It's as simple as that. It takes the sun to burn off the fog, and it takes details to make the picture you're looking at clearer. So do whatever you have to in order to better understand the options ahead of you. Ask the right questions of all the right people. Make a chart, use color coding, sort things out alphabetically, do whatever it takes to know this thing inside and out. So details, details, details. Pisces are big details, people. I need the details. So get all your deets, Pisces. All right. And, hey, I think that's good advice for anybody. Um, yeah. Introduction to the row, folks, before you, you know, get off and start doing stuff. Know what you should know. Any any good birthdays? Because last week, they kind of sucked. 
Yeah, it did kind of suck, but I'm telling you, there. It t- if you were born today, and I do have a friend, Renee Scaravalli, I know if you're listening, she's my Orland Park girlfriend, so happy birthday to her. Also, if you were born today on March 14th, you are an amazing Piscean company today. I'm thinking about changing my birthday, that I love this oh, wow. list so much. This must be it good. Is, this must be good. <laughs> so, this, today, you share a birthday with Steph Curry, Albert Ooh. Einstein, Billy Crystal, hey. Michael Caine, right. and Quincy Jones. Like I'm born on the fourteenth. Okay. I'm just changing. <laughs> you you covered every corner you possibly could from yes. athletic talent to genius to musical yes. genius. Okay, yeah. Today yes. that's a pretty good day. Yeah, but I'm still gonna be yeah. serious. But if I if I had to be a Pisces, today would be a It'll good be day. It'll be the fourteenth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, I'm I'm with you on that. Good day. All right. So let's jump right into what's trending. FYI, people, you don't get to nap right now because I brought that up. Just want you to know, no napping until after two p.m. So just keep that in mind. Absolutely right. right. So what's trending? You know, usually sometimes Mondays seem like they're hard to dig up news. I'll tell you what. Mm-mm, it was not this Monday. Of, yeah, this Monday kind of just planned itself. I was like, well, this is going to be an easy show to kind of roll out. And, and of course, you know, it, it's probably more intriguing or bad than it is anything that's going to make you smile. But we always try to put, you know, at least a little bit of a sunny side to something as we do the show. So last week on Wednesday, we had talked about former charges being brought against individuals and the Taishan Lee shooting, as people should know, the nine-year-old boy that was shot, as people say, as an execution-style shooting. Um, and everyone, everyone associated, except for family members of Lee's family, is that this was gun, that this was gang-related. Um, it was a mm-hmm. Southside gang thing they were saying. And, of course, we know that um, members from the family from his father as well as the mother were kind of making their rounds on local radio stations. Pierre Stokes is the father. He was the one that was given – people were saying there was a gun affiliation. Um, his mother actually went on media outlets absolutely saying he was not in the gang, and that's absurd that people would ever think that, though the family has deep – gang ties, which I think is so interesting. So somehow, Pierre Stokes managed not to be involved. Nobody bought it, though. And then she called right. me no body or something, and then she lost me right there. I'm like, ma'am, somebody probably should have coached you, but I guess she wanted to seem authentic, so she didn't change what she said, but nobody bought it. It didn't matter where she wanted to talk about it. Everyone's like, yeah, no, people just don't walk up and shoot kids randomly. There's a reason for this. So we found out last week that former charges were being brought against three different people. Corey Morgan was a key person that charges were brought against. But mind you, they had mm-hmm. people in custody for this shooting very quickly after the shooting happened. So they really, like, took to this because it really just absolutely mortified the city of Chicago. And the nation was like, we know Chicago is a little half, you know, half kiltered with the violence, but really, you're shooting kids now? I mean, it, this story really right. took everybody aback when it happened. Yes. So arrests came, came very quickly. Well... We find out on Wednesday formal charges being brought against Corey Morgan and individuals affiliated with him as well. And then we hear about over the weekend that Pierre Stokes, the father of Tyshawn Lee, decided to take retaliation in regards to his son being killed and killed the girlfriend of Corey Morgan is what we're being told. Yes. Um, and I think he shot he shot three people, but I don't think all three died. It was her and I think two other gentlemen that were was with her. So I think he shot three people. Here's the thing, Maya. That I was even though, and I mean I understand when you lose a child, you want to seek justice. But if I never had that gang affiliation or if I don't have that behavior, I don't even think that I could really go kill somebody, especially 
the girlfriend. That's gang behavior. If you're going to kill somebody, you get the person that killed your child. If you're going to, I'm not condoning that. But just to shoot random people affiliated, that sounds like gang affiliation, Ollie, because you don't do that. You want the justice of the person who took your child. You understand what I mean? So I'm like, now he was denying gang affiliation, but that is very much gang affiliation behavior. You just what did the girlfriend have to do with anything, or these other two people? Well, you know, first of all, you're you're going to hear people how they're going to rationalize this, and I'm not for any form of violence, period, because you know, an eye for an eye just doesn't really work. It just turns into right. a spiral. So sure. my thing is, when you when you did this, did you consider because it was you're like it was um Corey Morgan's girlfriend as well as two men. Nobody was mm-hmm. no one was actually you know no one dies. It was like non no non life threatening injuries, but they had to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say this. Is this really the can of worms that you want to open? Because now you've been identified as the shooter, and if this is truly gang-related, as it's being, you know, saying that it is, what makes you think they won't come for people in your family or they other will. people that are affiliated affiliated with you? So I'm like, did you ever stop and think for one moment? And I get it is the morning of your son. You probably felt this was this was justified, you know, revenge retaliation. But did you stop and think if this really, if someone can go as far to execute a child? with no remorse, right. what makes you believe they won't stop? Like, oh, you think you want up this? Well, let me really show you how this is done. Did, any, did he ever stop in one moment? I get the grieving, and I think any parent wants justice for their child. But this isn't how you're going to get it, because now you may have opened a can of worms, and I, I'm suspecting we're going to hear some other things coming from this. Oh, absolutely, because I think in the beginning, they were contemplating his mom, Pierre Stokes, like his mom, like it was like a list, and then they got the child, they figured maybe he was the easiest one, but they were targeting and following like other people, members of his family, so now you have, like, it's just, it's so senseless, Maya, and it, it's never going to stop, but I think it gets to the point where clearly, like we talk about all the time, if you don't care about your life, you're not going to care about anybody else's. And I don't think these people just care at all, one way or the other, if it's them or anybody else. They just don't care. It doesn't make sense to me, but that's just the bottom line. They don't care. Well, that's 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 the situation. That's the environment. That's, unfortunately, so many things have dictated that they don't see value in their own life and others, and that's, and that's really right. sad. And I remember he, yeah. he did an interview as well, and he was like, I have nothing left to live for. I think any parent... Mm-hmm. Outlive, I, I've heard parents say this, to outlive your child, most parents have said, is the most devastating thing ever because yes. you never in, in, any, in any part of your mind can believe that you would not leave this world before your child. And I've heard right. many parents say a death, a death of a child is very hard mm-hmm. to get over, let alone the death of a child that is a murder. And if somehow right. you can be, if you can find that you are at fault for whatever the reason was, because let's be honest, there's no reason. Tyshawn Lee didn't do anything that warranted that he be killed. It's something obvious in the reason they're saying it's gang-related. His father had issues with a rival gang. So, unfortunately, what Pierre Stokes has on his mind, and people are saying is that, well, the ultimate reason that your son is dead is because of you. That's an even heavier burden to carry. So, I mean, I understand that maybe he's not the most rational person in thinking about this, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, you may have created a, a bigger situation, and those around him should really be concerned for their safety. Uh, and yeah. I mean that honestly. They need to be concerned yeah. for their safety because from what I can see, we're, we're dealing with people who, who there is no code of ethics on anything they're going to do. And Corey Morgan, actually, as the story is unfolding, they're saying initially the situation with Chai Sean Lee was meant to, to torture him. Now imagine that. Mm-hmm. First, their first thought was they were going to duck him and slowly torture him. Yeah, cut his fingers off in his ears. I'm like, how gr- – Really? 
They were going to cut his fingers off and his ears. That I, I really? said, when I read when I read that I was like, this is just this is this is stuff you think you only see in movies, but obviously yeah. it, 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 it's very real life. So a lot began to unfold once this arrest and, and charges were brought against these individuals. So you know, I, it's it's interesting. I don't I don't know. All I know is those that are around Pierre Stokes and his mother, they probably should consider their safety because I don't I don't feel that move was smart. And now you've now ticked off three people. Let me just say that. Yeah. And if they're if they're, yeah. if they're gang affiliated as you say they are, you should expect they're not going to allow you to take an attempt on their life, and there not be retaliation for that. Now we're doing tit for tat, and this is yes. not good. With so, lives. You know, and this is what we're doing it with, with lives. It's ridiculous. So very, very unfortunate that this is unfolding this way. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say to it. I, just, I understand he's probably devastated, but he should have thought long and hard before he decided to do something of this magnitude because of what can come from it. And talk about thinking – Long and hard. Right now we're in the local segment of, of mm-hmm. the show. And actually it all is pretty local because we'll talk about the events on Friday that have captured the nation. But we'll get to that in a moment. It's been reported that two Northwestern students are being charged with a hate crime because they vandalized a chapel. I just, <sighs> like, there is, there is no, there is no restraint for people's ignorance. There really isn't. So. No. No. The county judge on Saturday lashed out at these two students, they're freshmen, um, that are being accused of spray-painting racist and homophobic messages along with the name of Republican presidential frontrunner Donald Trump inside of a non-denominational chapel on, on the university campus. So it, it's interesting because when I hear there's, there's racist and homophobic messages along with the name of Donald Trump, now I'm kind of confused I'm not sure where you're coming from. I mean, you went as far as to deface property, which you knew would be could potentially be charges if found out. You're going to be expelled from the school. All in your message, nobody knows what you were trying to tell them, besides the racist and homophobic part. I was like, really? You get all that, and you didn't get a clear, concise message out to the people? Really, fellas? Correct. I was like, are you supporting Donald Trump? And you just say racist stuff, and then Donald Trump. I'm like, did you want us to think Donald Trump spray painted that? What were you trying to do with that? Like, what did that mean? Like, I don't understand what that meant. I'm like, so was that in support of Donald Trump? That's the only thing. That's the connection that I made. But I don't know what that meant. Besides it just be, you know what? Donald Trump has opened this ugly Pandora box of hatred and racism all across this country. And I just can't blame him because he didn't start it, but he definitely opened the lid on the box and let everybody be free. I mean, I've seen people yelling, go back to Africa. I'm like, are we really saying that nonsense again? We're, is that the rhetoric we're doing now to go back to Africa nonsense? I'm like, well, on, but people. See, but, hey, but I got a, I got a response to that. I didn't ask to come here. So since you brought me here, I'm saying yeah. That's how that's going to work yeah. out, buddy. So now, I was like, I was invited. <laughs> what do you mean, go back? I was invited. <laughs> it was, it was yeah, a very invitation. informal, it, it was a very informal right. invitation. And may I say, the accommodations yeah. in getting here did not meet anybody's standards. But you Correct. extended, you extended the invitation. There is no going back. Absolutely. Nobody, there is no going back. Going, nobody's, nobody's going back. But the judge, mm-hmm. um, Judge Peggy, um, Chompas was so disgusted when she was addressing these two young men. They said her voice, she was rolling her eyes, they said. Her voice was raised. And she pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. the two individuals, because they're not minors, the names have been released. So Anthony Morales, 19, and Matthew Kosker, 18, are pretty much, um, they're, they're looking at criminal charges. They're, they're sitting there with 50,000 bail has been set for them for vandalism, hate crime, 
um, a place of worship and criminal damage to property for several spray-painted messages. This happened at the Alice Maylar Chapel um, earlier in the week. So the story really didn't kind of pop out until they went to court, which I think is interesting that it happened earlier in the week, and somehow until it went to the courts and nobody – I can't believe that this would be silent on the campus. That's what I think is really interesting. So, I don't know if it made news yet, but at first when I read this, I was like, really, Morales? We going to do this, Morales? Really? Okay. I'm like, okay, Morales. You know Trump doesn't like you, right? You know that, Morales. Well, there's so many other ways to express your disgust and to do it this way. So now what is so sad, and I understand these are still young minds, and they're, they're still, in my mind, they're children because they're 18, 19, so they're very impulsive in decision-making. But they did something that, one, they knew was wrong, but two, is absolutely compromising their academics as well as potential mm-hmm. future period. Because now everybody yes. knows who you are, so you have to go right. somewhere and do something else somewhere else. What other school would even entertain allowing you to come in unless they don't Correct. know who you are? So I just I look at this, and I'm like, I just don't get it because there are so many platforms out here. If you want to protest something, that you can. That you can. Yes. You know, and, sp- and speaking of being silent, so we know that when Laquan McDonald video came out, that there had to be a sacrificial lamb. You know, people were calling for, for heads sure. to roll because they're like, they're like this case yes. has been around for how long, and charges are just now being brought because of what? I mean, it really just en- enraged the country. And no matter how most people felt about Tyshawn Lee's behavior, I mean, sorry, about Laquan McDonald's behavior, the one mm-hmm. thing they said was nobody deserves to be shot 16 times. I mean, that was the one right. thing that rational people all agreed, even if he was being noncompliant with law enforcement, one, he wasn't armed, but two, it doesn't take 16 bullets to take a human being down. We are not there. Right. Not right. So former superintendent of the Chicago Police Department, Gary McCarthy, resigned. We all, everyone felt that when him and Rahm Emanuel met, Rahm is the mayor of Chicago, that pretty much he said, look, Gary, somebody's got to go, and it's not going to be me. But I got, somebody's got to be accountable, and since you're over to the police department, it's going to have to be you. I'm sorry, but don't worry. You're, you're still going to get that, pa- that severance package, your benefits. I mean, you walk away from this, but, hey, you still get paid. So I'm sorry. So opposed to me having to fire you, how about you just resign? Everybody felt that was the conversation of that happened between them. So finally, interesting enough, Gary McCarthy has spoken out. He was a speaker at the Harvard's John F. Kennedy School of Government. They do this panel on criminal justice. Listen to what he had to say about the situation with Laquan McDonald, and tell me if you think he is really in left field in his thought on this. So the system in Chicago is not designed to produce the results that people want. I was hired five years ago to come in and reduce crime while at the same time reforming the Chicago Police Department. And without getting into the details of how we did it, we had pretty good results. We had about a 40% reduction in overall crime in the time frame that I was there. Uh, In 2013 and 2014, we had the lowest murder rate in Chicago uh, since the mid-60s. But the thing that you don't hear about that I'm most proud of is we had uh, in 2014, for instance, a 50% reduction in complaints against our officers by civilians. And in 2015, another 50% reduction compared to 2014. But the number one figure that is not out there, and it, and it all goes out the window when you have a bad uh, case like Laquan McDonald, is the fact that 
police-related shootings were reduced by 68% during my tenure based upon policy, supervision, and training. I saw the tape the next day because I implemented, I implemented a policy that every police-related shooting, I get a briefing the next day. In other words, the guy who's out there or the, or the woman who's out there conducting that investigation from the police department side, which is just a preliminary investigation, comes and tells us the circumstances of it. I saw the tape the next day. That was the end of my involvement until the Independent Police Review Authority recommended that I take the only disciplinary step that I could take by Illinois state law which is to strip that officer of his police authority, which I did immediately. After that, I was completely not involved in it. Okay. Does anybody hear anything mm. wrong with everything? First of all, he, he just tried to redeem himself and talk about with the success the department stat. had mm-hmm. all under his tenure, which understandable. He even did that upon exiting and giving, addressing the media. He did a, a very similar thing, like, look, I know you, you think this is awful, and it is, but during my time here, this is what I've accomplished. He's still trying to redeem himself. But I'm a little confused about when he starts talking about the videotape. And that's why I, it's a longer video. You can go to my Facebook page and check it out, my, uh, the Maya Kai show thing. It's about maybe five minutes. But it's interesting because I feel there's a disconnect here. I saw the video, okay? Right. And he kind of like, I saw it. And, but what he failed to say was that he did not take away Van Dyke's, like, ability to carry a gun and a badge until the investigation happened and charges were being bought, which means for months Van Dyke was walking the streets of Chicago with his weapon and his badge as a Chicago police Absolutely. officer. So he, he really misrepresented. No, he, he lied in regards to how that situation unfolded. I was like, Are you Essentially kidding? what he said was, Essentially what he said, Maya, was I didn't do anything until somebody made me do something. That's basically yes. what I heard. I so didn't do that, anything that, until they made me, and then when they made me, it was like I did the – I stripped him of his. But until somebody came down and made you, I'm like, you should – if you saw it the next day, the next day those rights of his as a police officer should have been stripped the very next day. He didn't do anything until somebody made him, and that's essentially what he said. That is what I wanted to know if people heard mm-hmm. specifically what he was saying is, that's what I heard. It. That's what I heard. I didn't do a single thing until until somebody I was made me. To, somebody, somebody made me do it. So I was like, yeah, like I said, five minutes. It, it's it's worth a listen. But I couldn't have been at the Harvard JFK School of Government because I've been like, excuse me, Mr. McCarthy. So let me get this right. What you're <laughs> saying is because you you were the first to see the video and didn't see major misconduct and breaches right. of ethics. You were the Correct. first person. Your red flag should have gone up and like, this is going to be a problem because officer, one, he wasn't armed, two, he was walking away from you, and three, you shot him 16 times. If you really right. were truly honest and sincere in your job or just doing your job, you would have instantly had pulled his badge and would have brought sure. it to somebody's attention. But once again, it's like, can we sweep it under the rug? And he goes on to say, after that, that pause he had, that he – the one thing he would have changed, he said, about Laquan McDonald, the whole situation is, he goes, not that the officer acted just absolutely erroneously, but I would have changed not releasing the video until after the investigation. That's the only thing you would have changed? Wow. Wow. Yeah. I was like, yeah. so hence, you can see under this man's tenure, this is his mindset about what happened with Laquan McDonald. This is why everything went awry, seriously. 
I don't know. I oh, just absolutely. came across it. I was like, boy, aren't you delusional about what really is happening in Chicago? Aren't you delusional? I'm like, sometimes like, just be quiet. I don't know why people just don't be quiet. I'm like, don't just – now you've removed all doubt that how ignorant and stupid you are. If you had just been quiet, maybe we'd have just let you go away in your hole and you could have retired and just been quiet. But you're going to come back, and this is your rebuttal? This is what you say. This is your rebuttal. Why even say anything? They don't have people to be like, don't say that. Just don't say that. Just don't say anything. This is your rebuttal. I would have changed the when the videotape came out. That's your rebuttal. Wow. I'm just wow. A little. I'm just a little confused about it when it's all said and done. I'm like, and your stats. I would like to – I always tell people data can be a very misleading thing because you can yes, it can be. it to work to your advantage because what you're saying is not reflective of what we're seeing happening in Chicago. Now, mind you, you put a media spotlight on violence, and it can seem bigger than what it is. Honestly, mm-hmm. have to see the data because data gets chopped up in, in very different ways, and the, and the integrity of it can really be misconstrued. So um, yes. it's hard to say that your tenure here was successful when while you were here – Every year there was an escalation in violence. So right. I, it's, it's interesting. And, of course, he was like, how Chicago's police department is set up is not conducive to what needs to happen. Well, why didn't you make those changes? That's, isn't that what you were here for? So, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. Check out the video. It, it's worth peeping it out. Um, he's very delusional to me, and I think he went to speak because Harvard asked him to, and he probably shouldn't because mm-hmm. you're not a Harvard-type man. You probably should have stayed no. from the John F. K. John J. F. K. School of Government because um you're not qualified to be there. Harvard, shame on you for having that man up there. But hey, whatever it is, what it is. All right, everybody, the show is fully moving. I told you your morning would get kicked up to the midday really quick. So officially, I know that you are there. You tuned in for the Maya Kai Show. I'm blood featuring me and Mr. Brady. Let's take a quick break. And we'll see. Well, the man said, we're going to start it off. We're going to start it off. We're going to start it off. And then he said, we're going to start it off. We're going to start it off. We're going to start it
to this first hour of the Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Braden. We're talking those hot topics and headlines that are trending everywhere. So it's what's trending. So, of course, there was no way, Nikki, we could have this segment. <laughs> Donald Trump has officially replaced Beyonce for the month of the person that will be the most talked about. It was interesting yeah. because everybody was talking about the rally that was supposed to happen in Chicago on Friday, the anticipation of Trump coming to Chicago. I don't think anybody at all no. thought the outcome was going to be as it was when thousands of protesters showed up for the, ticket, the ticketed rally, which was at the UIC Pavilion, which is a decent-sized arena. It, it, it holds a couple thousand people, probably 7,000 or so, give or take, sold out, but there were thousands of protesters that showed up and at least two police officers and two attendees were injured as well as there were five arrests. Um, It got to be so big, Nikki, that the Chicago Police Department went to the Trump camp and said, look, there's a lot of people here and the climate is not good. There's safety concerns for individuals and it's just, it's heating up the longer we wait for this to start. So Trump made an informed decision that he was going to postpone, which turned out canceling the rally. Didn't matter if the rally was canceled or not. I guess you could say the festivities still went on because it turned into fights and clashes between his supporters and the protesters. There were heated arguments. People were throwing up Nazi salutes, which, once again, I'm going, why, why would you do that? Somehow there's this mm-hmm. going on. And after all, it's all said and done, Trump insists, I'm a unifier. What is unifying about that kind of behavior? I don't, I'm just shocked that people were, are so in, so impassioned that they would go to this rank. It got violent. Yes. I don't know. Yes. I, I, it got extremely violent. But here's the thing, Maya, and we talked about this briefly last week. When he did the um, – there was one rally where it looked like people were doing the Hail Hitler sign with their hand up, and it looked like a Nazi – you know, he was like, no, you raise your right hand. I was like, if you were a unifier, you would come out and say, this is not the behavior that I want. This is not what I want my supporters to do. He liked that. He likes that underlying – he's not unifying. He knows he's causing all this ruckus. You wouldn't let African-American people be beat up at your rally. Like last week, somebody was like – they were beat to a bloody pulp and dragged out of there. His supporters, like, beat up this um, black guy. And we've seen that, that one lady, she got pushed around and kicked out and go back to Africa. You know all of this is occurring at your rallies. And if you really were a unifier, you say, this is not what I'm about. We're not dividing the country. I'm bringing... He hasn't yet to say that. So he knows what his, um, the mindset of his supporters are, and I think he kind of likes it because he has done nothing to stop it. And it's interesting because... He then took to social media, Twitter is is his platform of choice, and said the organized groups of people, many of them thugs, who shut down our First Amendment rights in Chicago, have totally energized America. Here's what's interesting, Donald Trump. They didn't shut down your First Amendment rights. You made a choice. You, yes. you they said you that you would not you could try to rally. So I'm like, right. oh, God, they didn't shut you down. And it was interesting because I was – I had class over the weekend, interesting enough, an ethics class. And the conversation came up about Trump because we were there on Friday when everything was unfolding, but it was like downtown on Michigan Avenue, but a lot of things were kind of spilling out. And someone was like, well, yeah, you know, that is a violation of his First Amendment rights. I said, no one has ever put a muzzle on Donald Trump. He has said everything he wanted. So he made a choice mm-hmm. for his safety reasons. He could have decided, look, let's, let's do something on social media instead. 
let's run a video. He could have chosen mm-hmm. other ways to do the, ra- the rally in Chicago. He made the choice to not have the rally. So how, right. did, how did protesters take away his First Amendment rights? The man hasn't stopped talking. So he called the protester thugs. Once again, he's using that rhetoric right. to get people to be angry. You know, right. I, I'm starting to think seriously, and I know people who support him, which one I find that very disappointing, because no matter what kind of policy or reform he talks about, you have to look at what's at the essence of the man. And if this sure. is what making America great again is, this frightens me because all you will do is polarize people more. If people thought that President Obama brought racism back to the surface and that he was very decisive and he was the reason that people were more divided, I'd beg to differ. All he did was address real issues, which people think that black people should just sit down and shut up and not say anything. He goes to the back mm-hmm. of the bus. But, but nobody, right. nobody can tell you to do that anymore. So long gone are the days where it was like, I'm not going to say anything. It's like, if it's an injustice, I'm going to say it. And you're not going to stop me because you don't want me to say it. Now, we need to talk about this. So President Obama only put issues on the table, as anybody in his position should, if you had a gay president that was in that office. Do you not think he would advocate for the LBGT community? Yes, he would, or woman. It doesn't matter who's mm-hmm. in there. Whatever their interest is. In fact, most people feel that President Obama has not really advocated for black people at all. Black people. Yeah, right. And let me say this, and I kind of tend to agree. I don't think he went you know, as hard for people of color no. as he could have. I think, and I think part of it was he didn't want to seem like I'm doing too much, do too much, and think about it later. But it is what it is. So the bottom line is that I'm really confused how people really feel this man is a unifier when all he does is bring out the underbelly. And for any person of color who supports this, it baffles me. It absolutely baffles me. And then you've got people like Almarosa, which, by the way, we would expect that Almarosa, who, we, who people would know her from being, was it the first, the first season of The Apprentice that she was on there? Yes, I think I want so. to say? Yeah, around there, she was, yeah. She was, she was, yeah, one of the first. Um, yeah, she was very early on, and mm-hmm. she actually came back and made other appearances. But she, she rose to fame. Her star rose to the top from The Apprentice being very hard-nosed and was able to work with the Donalds, and the Donalds mm-hmm. appeared to like her. You know what I mean? So that's how her right. star rose to the top in the first place. So she's on with Chris Matthews on MSNBC on Friday and pretty much made this comment about you know, you get ultimately what you deserve when you come to a Trump rally. And she goes on. She went on to say in this interview, Donald can't be responsible for every single person that comes to his rally. Listen, you have to. You have the right to go into a closed and private event, and you get what is coming to you. So she's saying, if you decide to go to this rally and something happens to you, it, it's on you because you know what you're walking into. And then she said, I do not condone violence. If you go into an environment where you're interrupting. 13 or 14 times, do you expect a hug <laughs> or, or kumbaya? And I, and I get what she's saying. I do believe I do too. that yeah. it doesn't make sense to go into a rally that you're against and then you want to be disruptive. I've never understood that tactic in the first place because a person right. has right. a right to, sh- to share with their message. It, it's kind of like going into the movie theater and being a heckler because you don't, you don't like Leonardo DiCaprio. So you right. keep heckling you know, different scenes in the movie. A person's going to be like, you need to be quiet, and I'm not sure why you're here, because if you don't want to see the resonance, why are you here? Go away. Right. And they'll get somebody from, you know, obviously management who can remove the person from the theater. I, I kind of see it that way. Like, don't go to a rally. If you don't want to be a supporter, then stand on the outside as you should and stop coming inside and trying to be disruptive. I've never agreed with that tactic with anybody whatsoever. I get that. 
But I don't also want to say, and you're going to get what's coming to you, because no. Um, he can't control everybody, and that's what he needs to step back. You're calling protesters thugs. These people that are literally beating people that support you, what exactly are they? Unstable? Correct. I, I mean, just Correct. confused. You know, his, his attitude. I mean, I just, and more people like, this is a very unfortunate, Pete Rose is now supporting, you know, Donald Trump. Pete Rose is the, you know, embattled former baseball player that, you know, put it, yeah. baseball gambling, you know, and people mm-hmm. are you know, damned into not being able to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm like, I just think Pete Rose said that because he's trying to stay relevant. Now, see, now I don't want you ever to be put on the Hall of Fame ballot because now I question your absolute character. Now I do think you better than right. baseball, Pete Rose. <laughs> but with that being said, <laughs> now, now I'm thinking, yeah, you're a seedy individual with that, with that, that, that stamp of approval. Now, they were right about you all along, Pete. All along. <laughs> here I was all along. thinking, you know what, people are doing worse things. They're using performance-enhancing drugs and really just making baseball in a difficult situation. It's an era that has to be looked at like it really wasn't truly good baseball because so many people were doping. All you did was place a couple bets. And we'll see, now I don't look at you like that anymore. Now I'm not putting you back into the pile with all the other cheaters. Okay, I digress. But yeah. it's really interesting. So people were like, hey, you know, you can't mess with Chicago, and Chicago's not going to have this. And I'm like, okay, people, let me just say this, Chicago. You better pay attention because on tomorrow, March 15th, elections are coming around for state reps and specifically for Anita Alvarez, the Mm -hmm. state's attorney. So while you're out there running around trying to defuse what Trump has going, is anybody paying attention that you need to get Anita Alvarez out of that post because too many things have come to light under her time there, Laquan McDonald specifically, Guarantee you people don't come out to vote. And then I'm going to be right I there. think people have voted already. I have seen, like, people voting already. I think you can do early. I'm not from Chicago, mm-hmm. so I can't vote in this. I don't live there, so I can't. But people are getting out to vote. I think that, I think, I mean, you can't forget. I really, really hope that the citizens of Chicago, because this is very, very important. Um, I'm glad they, I mean, they shut the Donald down. It was like Chicago does not, they are not playing. All, they are not playing. They're like, you can try to come if you want to, but this is not going to happen. But I hope that doesn't deter people, and I don't think that it really will, for them to get out and vote. The Donald Trump, it's over, it's done. Now you guys got to do the important part. So let's hopefully, like, just remind them to vote, and they won't get deterred by the the Donald because we got real business well, to go on here in Chicago. Will, we we will see. You know, a lot is coming from this. I mean, you've got a reporter that was arrested. He was, you know, pretty much his name is Soap and Dead. Um, and he was at the rally to cover it. Um, and he is pretty much saying that, you know, that a lot of the Trump supporters, you know, descended on him. Um, a lot of racist things happened. I'm not quite sure of his ethnicity. Um, he has a very interesting He's black. look about him. His name is. Is he okay? His name is Sopan Dev, so that doesn't mm-hmm. that's like a different name. So I don't I don't know. He looks like he could be multiracial when I look at him. Mm-hmm. But he actually said that people got confrontational with him when he was trying to report on it and all kinds of things. It just it was a bad look. Period. Um, you know, I, I don't think it'll get like this anywhere else because for whatever reason, Chicago is a very sensitive a very sensitive city. Um, but especially when it comes to politics, except for when we need to be sensitive about things that really matter in Chicago, we tend to not get it quite right, but that's, it is what it is. There's a lot has come from this. But here's something yeah. before we end this segment that really kind of made me go, and so I listened to the soundbite. So Joel Osteen, who has a book out, was, it's called The Power of I Am, 
without doing, you know, mm-hmm. book promotion, that he stomped into Fox and Friends, specifically Killmead and Friends show, to discuss the book. And, of course, when you, when you get in those kind of shows, they're going to throw a little bit of everything at you. So they asked him about Donald Trump. Listen to this clip. It starts out with Killmead plays when Bill Clinton was on, um, I think, the Jimmy Fallon show, and he was speaking about Trump. And actually, Bill Clinton nailed what he said about Trump. And then they come back from that clip, and Killmead asked Joel Osteen what his thoughts on Trump were. Take a listen and tell me what you think about this. He's a master brander, and he's the most interesting character out there. And because he says something that overrides the ideological differences. If you look at the first debate, a lot of those guys were competing for who could be the most politically correct on the answers. Trump says, okay, I supported Democrats, I supported Republicans. Yeah, I used to be friends with Bill Clinton, who cares? Uh, I run things, and I built things, and you need somebody that will go in there and fix it. And if they don't let me fix it, I'll just get them out of the way. That is, it, it may have a short half-life, this campaign, I can't tell yet. But he's a master brander, and there is a, a macho appeal to saying, I'm just sick of nothing happening. I make things happen. Vote for me. And that is Bill Clinton last time with Stephen Colbert. My guest right now is Joel Osteen. You can watch us, killmeetofriends.com. He's got a few extra minutes. He squeezes us in between uh, hits. I really appreciate it. Joel, you wrote the book, The Power of I Am. Uh, the word I is not – it gets a lot of use with Donald Trump, right? <laughs> so, but his message of let's make America great again. That's, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm, I'm so successful, but I want to make you guys great. I want to make our country great again. That seems to be the message to this point that got people's attention and got them some support. Do you understand it? Well, I think I understand because it's simple to understand to make our country great again. But, um, you know, again, I'm not really up to speed on all the politics. But uh, but you understand messaging and sure, getting sure. your belief across? Well, yeah, I think Quickly. it res- resonates. Yeah, I think it resonates to, hey, let's, you know, maybe the country's not where we should be. Let's get back to where to where we where we were. And, you know, like he said, Mr. Trump, he's a he's a he's a, you know, incredible communicator and brander like like mr like president clinton said and you know uh, you know he's been a friend a friend of our ministry he's a, he's, a, he's a good man all right so joel osteen initially the headline said joel osteen says that donald trump is a good community good communicator and a good man but you can totally tell he really wasn't comfortable with talking about no this. In fact, no, he, he was wasn't. trying to deflect himself like, you know, I'm not really into politics. I'm into God. That's all the politics that I need. That's kind of what he was right. trying to put out put out there. And I was at first I was like, man, Joel Osteen, I like you. Now I'm going to have to put you into that basket of people that now i got to give a side eye to. But after I heard the interview, I realized what I heard was Donald Trump probably has been a contributor in some way to his ministry. And he didn't want to alienate him, which kind of disappoints right. me a little bit. Because if you're going to really, truly be a man of God and do the right thing, you really should be like Donald Trump may be a good communicator. And I have said that Donald Trump has excellent orator skills, just like Hitler. I've said that all the time. But to say that he's a good man, that makes me ask this question, which will kind of maybe roll into point of view a little bit. Can you be a good person but still have ideologies that are racist, sexist, and classist? Let's just marinate on that as we take a break. Point of view is the next segment. We're going to talk okay. about University of Illinois player that didn't do too well with the loss they had in the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> yeah. And my question on that yeah. is going to be, 
is there a certain level of responsibility from the NCAA? But we'll get into that. But we'll, we'll roll the Trump conversation in there as well. Is he honestly okay. a good a good person? All right. We'll be right back.
power in the book with a little perspective. You're always welcome to join the conversation, 310-807-5211. If you'd like to get social with the show, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at The Maya Kai Show. Nikki, how can they, if they want to rant and rave, where can they find you? <laughs> I would shut you down like Chicago did Trump, but you can do it. <laughs> you can try it at Nikki Brayton on Facebook and Twitter and the Nikki Brayton on Instagram. If you feel well, froggy, that's where you, you can leap. Um, I have seen I have seen this happen. So I would tell you with caution. Don't engage your caution, especially if you're looking to, to to rally up. I'm just telling you, you better bring every rally monkey that you have because you don't need it. And that's why I hope people know what a rally monkey is. That's not like some kind of side joke or racist thing, you know. But anyway, oh, so point of view. So I kind of segued into this when we were wrapping up the what's trending part of the show, and and the question I just posted on Facebook as well as Twitter and and blog talk here. Can you be a good person? but still have, you know, racist, sexist, bigoted viewpoints. And I ask that because Joe Olstein, when he was on Kill Meet and Friends, which is a Fox News show, um, really stammered through answering a question about Donald Trump. You could tell he didn't want to say anything negative, but what right. I took from his overall demeanor is he really wasn't feeling Donald Trump, but I, I believe there's some form of a connection there that's probably financial, or he may have people in his congregation that are supporters. So hence he felt he needed to walk the line which to me is dangerous because if you are a person of influence, and clearly Joel Osteen is a person of influence with his mega church, what is it called, Lakeview, yeah. Lakeview, which is, it, which is in Texas, it, it's a stadium for God's sake. So you're talking about a person mm-hmm. who has mega influence when it's all said and done. So I would have liked for him to be a bit honest, but he's like, look, I'm on a book tour. I am not, he's like, I don't do politics, is pretty much what he said. But back to the question. Can a person, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's your spouse, whoever, can you show at the essence of your core be a good person? If you have some viewpoints that are a bit negative towards people because of maybe gender, sexual orientation, the color of their skin, is it possible to still be good? Absolutely, and I'm going to tell you why, even though I, I'm i not a fan of the Donald or anything, but I'm going to say this because if that wasn't true, there wouldn't be any good people because there is not a person that walks this planet that doesn't have an opinion of somebody, some group, some kind of thing. That's not – you just don't have positive thoughts all of the time. So you can still be a good person. Now, probably there are a lot – like if I had an opinion about Mexican people overall, I, which I don't, but I'm just using that as an example, I know Hispanic people that would be like, she's not like that, but she's, I know her personally, she's not like that at all. So I think that you can have, you know, like Donald Trump, I think people that know him personally, like he's really a good guy. But what he says and how he thinks, you understand what I mean? On a personal level, he's a good guy. And that's what I've heard from a lot of people kind of say, you know, he's a good guy. He can still like Omarosa, but still, you know, overall think we're thugs, but then he can single it out. So Omarosa's <laughs> going to think he's cool. Nene Leakes going to think he's cool because he can be – you understand what I mean? So people who know him personally probably feel like he is, underneath it all, a good guy. He just has screwed-up viewpoints. And I think that we we all have somebody like that. We all know somebody that you'll say, she's really not like that. She's really, really not. If you know her, she's really not like that. So I think you can be a good person with some skewed views. I mean, and I, and I agree with you on that because if you just turn the mirror around and look at yourself – Mm-hmm. I think overall, at my core, I believe I am a good person. Boy, let me tell mm-hmm. you, I know I have got a couple viewpoints that if people knew, they'd be like, Maya. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> now, no, for real. 
Because I think I said one over the weekend, the girl, I think I made her uncomfortable. I was like, ooh, I make sure I'll put a filter on that one. Because um, we were talking about politics, and we're, I was talking about who I would vote for and, and the reasons I can't vote for certain people. And I, it's a legitimate feeling that she looked at me, and she, she was white, and she looked at me like, she didn't even respond to it, but I thought it was interesting. But um, I, I just, it was a sentiment I have, and I think sometimes at the root of, let's just say, viewpoints that are not favorable about individuals, mm-hmm. I believe that part of what is going to create negative views, besides the fact that it's, it's flooding every outlet you have media-wise, television, songs, you can't get away from craziness, but usually people have some experience, whether it is immediate or it's distant, that creates those kind of skewed viewpoints. So in the case of, like, in the case of Donald Trump, you know, he may have had, I mean, obviously he knows black people, he knows very wealthy black people, and those are people that he probably tends to align himself sure. with and that he will, he will like. You take the average Joe, you know, somebody like, for instance, not to be mean, I'm not stereotyping, but I, I'm going to do it anyway. Someone like Pierre Stokes, he would look at him, the father of Tyshawn Lee, and say, that's a thug. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. That's wrong. That's, that's not how justice Correct. plays out. He would, he would demonize him. So someone like that, he'd be like, yeah that's the kind of person we need to get rid of. So I think people take their perspectives based on experience and create their viewpoints. And then sometimes sure. people just are taught certain things that are wrong as well. But I don't, I'm with you on this. I have friends and I've looked at them and I said, you probably shouldn't be your friend because that's ridiculous what you just said to me. But I know particularly are not fond of black people, but love me to pieces. And the thing about that that bothered me was I was like, but you know, and we've had conversations. I'm like, you do realize it's really screwed up. But I know that you really don't like black people because you've made comments. Apparently you forgot I was in the room or do you just not see me? Which one is it? I was like, because you know me and I'm a black person. So that right there should dispel the myth you have. I say it all the time. No race of people, regardless of who you are, are homogenous. They're just not. Correct. I said, so stop taking everybody and putting them in, like in a bowl. And then occasionally you take a spoon and take a person out because they're like, oh, wait, that's not, that's not a rotten apple in the basket. Oh, let me take that one out. That's a very pristine mm-hmm. apple. Oh, but wait a minute. That was a Granny Smith in with a Macintosh. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's, it's yeah. craziness. So I do believe that people can still be good and have really crazy viewpoints that make you scratch your head. And I think when it's all said and done, the, the human reaction to that is, if I see one inkling of anything that's flawed in you as a person character-wise, it doesn't matter what good it is. And I know I'm looking at Donald Trump like that. He probably is a good person, maybe a little bit, but I, I'm having a hard time seeing it because of all the things that's coming out of his mouth. Sure. I, I just, I'm, having a hard, I'm having a hard time with it. And I think just by nature, people gravitate to negativity before they do goodness. I just think that's yeah. unfortunately. Oh, uh, that's how absolutely we are. true. I think they. I how think they. I really think they do. Yeah. My problem with Trump is like, and I always say, and I try to apply this to just my general life. You can think and feel however you want as long as it doesn't directly affect me. And so my problem is, I wouldn't care what he did if he just kept it on Apprentice. But now this is going to directly affect me. I have a problem with you because it's just not like your views are your views in your house. You get to do that. But when you bring your views and they spill over and they now directly affect me. Because of them, I have a problem with that. So I think that that's the problem that a lot of people are having because it's like to have those viewpoints are one thing, and it's fine. But to now make it affect everybody that you don't like or you have a, a ugly opinion about, that's not cool. And that's what separates whether – I think that's the thing that I – the line, Maya, is there. You can think whatever you want. It's only when you act on them. Whatever views I have on whoever, whatever group of people – 
I should be smart enough and intelligent enough to know that you don't act on them and you don't penalize every single person for that one skewed viewpoint or thought or however you were raised or taught that ugly thing. You don't go out and affect somebody just because of that. You're supposed to be that intelligent at least. You can have a view, but don't act on it. Don't be ugly to somebody okay. because of well, it, and that's the difference. Let's, let's, we, we now have to, in my perspective, we now have to put a premium on common sense because it's no longer common, something we assume that people should have. It now has a premium, and it takes a lot of work and effort for people to have common sense. Of course, I believe some people like to function at a level of ignorance because it gives them an Mm -hmm. excuse to be the way that they are. But I I just want to put it out there because I thought about Joe Osteen. The reason that question came to mind for me was because I like Joe Osteen. I like what he usually, you know, he says and makes sense. He seems like he's a good enough guy behind closed doors. He could be an entirely different person. But from what I see from the outside and what I've seen in his ministry – I've, I've come to like him. So when he made that comment mm-hmm. about Donald Trump, I was like, oh, my God, do I now have to put you in the basket with Pete Rose? Really? But <laughs> I listened to the interview, and I, I could see he was not comfortable with his response. So right. I do believe that he's not a supporter. But at, at the essence of it, I still think that he's a good person who honestly probably knows a lot of seedy people. I think a lot of us are like that. We know a lot of us are good people, but still we know seedy yeah. people in our lives. So, we, so you can't get away from yeah. it. We all can't be, you know, pristine and perfect. So I just want to put that out right. there as a perspective, you know, get people from the issue. And I don't think he can Another, be, is it godlike to bash him? I don't think it's godlike. He was probably like, I'm godlike. I can't just say nothing bad about the man. That's not godlike. So maybe he was dealing with a whole bunch in that little you know, 60 seconds that Fox tried to squirm him. Yeah, I don't you know. Somebody, you know. Some, somebody posted on Facebook that Joel Osteen was trying to use a Jedi mind trick. He, it didn't work because those are the droids I'm looking for. So I was like, no, that's r 2 d right over there. No, no. But anyway, um. So thank you for putting the post in there. I appreciate it. But it's interesting when you talk about involvement in things and, and responsibility. <laughs> and, you know, when you just made that comment about God, I thought instantly people will say, if you happen to be spiritual, people will say there's a little God in everybody. There's no God in Donald Trump. There's no God no. in Donald Trump. There can't be. There, there can't be. Because no. now I'm really like, I need to really have a, a spiritual path laid out for me. But it's not for me to judge that. That's what I have to tell myself. It's not for me to judge. Maybe there is something in him. I don't know, but it just doesn't look like it. All right. Another thing, let's chew on this quickly before we end the segment. Mm -hmm. Do you believe there is a level of responsibility for an employer, regardless to if it's a professional sporting organization or if it's just your regular target or whoever, to really have to stand behind an employee that constantly violates any kind of company policy or even ethics or mission of the company? And I ask this because, Martavius Bryant, who is really like an emerging, I mean, wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, pretty much is looking at an indefinite suspension from the NFL, and he actually is planning to check into rehab to undergo evaluation for depression. See, now we're going to put the mental health lawyer on this. But his, he's had multiple drug tests, and he's failed a banned substance. Interesting enough, it's been marijuana. That's the thing I think is interesting from what they're telling us. Then maybe it's a, a matter mm-hmm. of confidentiality that they can't see more than marijuana that he's all the drug tests for. But the Steelers have tried to work with him and really to help him get on track. But finally, the NFL, is, or the NFL is saying suspension. He's had a four-game suspension. He's had numerous, I guess, slaps on the hands, but yet he, will, he, he he's not been able to actually get it together. And because of his behavior, which started in college, he flipped further in the draft, like to the first round. He was, he was projected to be a much higher 2014 draft pick, but because – of his issues off the field, he dropped lower. He came out of Clemson. You know, he came from a program that was very, mm-hmm. you know, trust me, showtime. 
everybody knows Martavius, you know, Bryant. Right. I, I look at this, and, and, and somebody made a comment, well, you have to understand, it's his background, they should be a bit more understanding. Okay, first of all, I told you, black people are not the pet project for society. Well, stop it. I don't think there always needs to be an exception to the rule. When you make it to this level, and this is just my perspective, if you don't see that you have been blessed to do something that has your God-given talent that people would love to do, if you don't see the value in that and the blessing in that, then shame on you that you're going to compromise it because you want to puff, puff, pass. Are you kidding me? I no. don't have, I'm sorry. I'm not feeling it for him. I'm just not. I don't. I And I say this all all of the time. I was like, and I, and I speak of this, like, on that level of celebrity and people. When you constantly get in trouble like this, I really feel like if you don't know how to play right, God should take your toys away because you don't appreciate it. And it's probably somebody that would be like, oh, my God, this is a blessing, and then appreciate it. And what, I mean, I don't smoke marijuana, but it would seem like if I'm getting ready to play in the NFL, and this is a dream, and this is something that I know half of the world won't even be able to get a chance to do, I think I would tighten that up a little bit, especially if they're willing to work with me. And it's not like it's no tolerance. Like, when do you tighten that up? So either you don't care, because then that's exasperating your energy on somebody who just doesn't care. It just seems like you don't care at this point. And I'm like, gosh, take your phones away. That's it. And You're not I, playing right. I'm with you on that. And, and, and I'm reading this article that was in Yahoo Sports, you know, and they're really kind of, what I felt, backing the Steelers organization into a corner by saying now that he's looking at an indefinite suspension, first of all, the organization took a chance and they drafted him because he was looked at as mm-hmm. an incredible talent, but they knew he came with a lot of baggage. With issues. And they, right. Right, and they've been behind him the entire time, and he's fought, he failed multiple drug tests off season, during the season. And I'm like looking at why does people keep thinking that the Steelers or even the NFL has any form of responsibility to use drugs as a personal choice, and especially if it's just marijuana. Correct. I'm not saying it's just right. marijuana, but I was like, come on, really? You're gonna first of all, if if Martavis Bryant was not probably playing football, who knows where he'd be right now? Because he doesn't strike me as mm-hmm. the, as the brightest star in the sky. I said it; it was probably ignorant, but I said it. But once again, you're being blessed with something that is your God-given talent, and you're getting paid a whole lot of money to do it. Correct. So to sacrifice it because you can't find control and discipline, I don't think the Steelers have to do anything else more. They gave you the opportunity that they didn't have to extend because now they have to find someone to replace you. I don't feel as an organization they have any more liability. Now, I will say this. I do believe that the NFL Players Association, because that's who's supposed to advocate for the players, I do believe it's time for them to step in and to start to work with him because this is where the whole EAP, the Employee Assistance Program, is supposed to take place. Even though he's a Steelers employee, the, the, the Players Association, they're the ones that will, they will contest if you get suspended and things like that. I think they need to step in and see if they can help them. But sometimes, unlike like with Johnny Manziel, sometimes it's just a lost cause. And I know that sounds right. bad, but these, but these are adults that are making choices, and people have told them they're That's bad That's what choices. I was going to so say. It is what it is. Yeah, I think that that's the difference. But the difference, if it was a mental health issue, if he had depression, then you work with some because that's, you know, what I, I mean, I know people relate drugs to being an illness and I get it, but I'm like, come on, smoking weed, come on. You understand what I mean? I'm well, like, come on. See, I don't think they, they're they obligated to work with him and work, work with him on what? How to put a blunt down? Well, work with him well, on what? After all the ups and downs, he's finally being, ev- he's finally being evaluated potentially for depression. And my thing is, okay. 
let's just say you evaluate him and you find out he suffers from depression. I'm okay with that. It doesn't change his behavior because often people want to give people a pass when you can tie a mental health diagnosis to it because you still know he was sure. violating policy. Depression, I get it. Still hold him Everybody's depressed. What? I don't understand this depression pass. Everybody's depressed. At some point in time, yeah. everybody has been depressed. You don't get to go well, cuckoo well. for Cocoa Puffs and everybody's like, well, everybody well, in the world has been depressed at some point. Well, Nobody was ever like, oh, well, poor Nikki, she's well, depressed. No, they was like, get over well, no. it. If you if you suffer from major depression or clinical depression, Nikki, that's different than just having bad. What back in the back in the day, they'd be like, you got the blues. You know, you're sad. Right. That's different than when you when you're clinically depressed. No, it's it's different. It's a whole different. Body but everybody's clinically depressed. I understand no, that, but no, I think everybody no. can be clinically depressed. If you go when you're depressed, somebody be like, you're clinically no. depressed. No, everybody can be clinically depressed because there are parameters that exist that determine when you are clinically depressed. And some people have chemical imbalances as well that attribute to their depression. So it isn't that simple. Take it from, take it from the professional here on this. But I'm not going to let that be an excuse for bad behavior is what I'm saying. So go get help. That's what Hold I'm saying. They slap depression Hold on everything when somebody well, jacks up. Every, they just slap a depression on it. I don't know if you're depressed or not because everybody's depressed. They, they, they just slap depression, depression on it with a sticker. Well, yeah, the depression sticker, slap it on there. I'm like, so I don't know if people really depressed or not or if you're just <sighs> slapping a sticker on it. It's crazy. I want to roll this into a quick, uh, another quick topic about point of, about point of view before we, we take a break. This accountability. So when you get to the NFL, technically you have an employer and you are a professional. But now when you look back, understand this too, Brian had major issues at Clemson. So this wasn't like a new behavior. And this is why right. I want to talk about this next, this next story because I think when you have students that display this kind of behavior, generally they're coming from high school with it. So now you get to a big arena, a big stage in college, and mm-hmm. it just festers and it, and it grows. So as we know, right now, we're, March Madness is upon us. The, the Black yes. Set play will start soon. But over the weekend, all the respective conferences had their, had their, their tournament. So it was a big, ter- mm-hmm. big Ten tournament. I'm going to go ahead and say this because this is going to be a woosah moment for me. So somehow, under the guise of goodness, Illinois beat Iowa. And I actually slipped yep. out and had, had a, and had a meltdown in my living room. But that's another But story. it was by, so, I mean, I was like, really? I don't want to talk at the buzzer. It was at the buzzer, so they didn't beat him. It was just at the buzzer. Doesn't matter. I still had a buzzer meltdown. So with that being said, <laughs> they, they 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 beat Iowa, who has really had me in fluffs for weeks because I'm just they they still made the tournament because I knew they would because they were ranked. But I'm having right. issues. But anyways, I digress. Illinois gets a big win and beats a team that people really were projecting to do better in Iowa. So then they go on to play Purdue and they lose mm-hmm. 89 to 58 because Purdue has been playing solid, consistent basketball for weeks now. Right. They, they, met their, they met more than their match, as they should have seen with Iowa, and they take a loss. Well, apparently, this put some players who were having some unresolved issues, like, into a tailspin. Because there's a couple players that were arrested. One player particularly was arrested for hitting his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So Mike Thorne, Jr., um, he's actually in his sixth year of eligibility, um, and it's interesting because if people watch college sports, you can actually redshirt a year, which gives you more eligibility um, right. if you don't within certain years. So that's why sometimes you'll be like, how is a person in their sixth you know, year of eligibility? Right. Because they redshirted different, they different years, which means mm-hmm. they, they sat, they didn't play, which means you still have eligibility. That's why occasionally you'll get a player that's like 21. You'll be like, huh? Aren't you yeah. supposed to be out of school? <laughs> like 25. <laughs> right. Like, right. Like, did you, Aren't did you supposed to be married with kids? <laughs> Right. Did you long freshman year? What happened? You know, so but it's been reported that um, 
the junior point guard. So this, there's other stuff going on with this Illinois team that people didn't know about. So this actually is more about Jalen Tate was arrested right. on Saturday for allegedly punching his girlfriend in the face. And he's actually still in custody at the county jail until, you know, at least in the morning when this happened. And what's being said is that once he did this, that he was immediately suspended. And I just want to focus on this. So he, he probably didn't take, you know, the loss well. Jim Croce is the is the coach of Illinois, which is a much improved team. I will say that they they're getting better. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he I don't think that Jalen Tate took the well took the, the win well, and I don't know what his girlfriend said or did, and it doesn't matter because you don't get to put your hands on somebody. He's like, say you stop. Right. You gotta take you gotta take that. I should probably say it and run, but you gotta take that. You don't get to hit me because <laughs> it's my first amendment right. right to tell you you suck and you don't get to hit me for it. So this happens, and immediately the school suspended him from all team activities. Um, and pen, you know, pending the investigation into the allegation against him, he did end up in jail though. And if there's going to be any legal proceedings, so this is like an indefinite suspension for him. And it came from a joint statement from the coach, you know, Grochi, as well as the Illinois athletic director Josh Whitman. And and part of this, well, the reason I wanted to talk about this, not because I want to, you know, poke a stick at Illinois, but this is when I see a situation like this, I do have no problem with the team suspending him. I think it's right. technically the right thing to do, even though I do say often. Due process has not played out, so is it fair? Because what happens if the events didn't unfold the way that they're being said they unfolded? You know what I'm saying? So is this sure. sure I might be I might be kind of ticked off, and I really struggle with that with athletes. Like when due process doesn't play out, and it's just an allegation, unless there's concrete proof. Like you got a picture of a girl, and she's got a big Joe Dotty. Then that's my grandma mm-hmm. used to call a black eye a Joe, a Joe Dotty. I have no idea why she called it that, but for some reason that popped <laughs> in my head. But I'm like, who the hell is a Joe Dotty? Did somebody do? Did Joe Dotty punch somebody? Is that did Joe Dotty hit somebody? It, yeah, that's what it was. Right. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, the Nikki Braden. Like, what is that? That means your nose is broke. Right. That's what it is. Nikki Braden. So Your nose is crooked. Um, you know, you know, cultural little language niches are so interesting. But my grandma used to say, "What? What is that? And why are you saying that?" But okay. But. These kind of situations, I look at this and say, I get why you're doing it, but at the same time, unless you've got definitive proof, like you're like, no, he did it. It's just a matter of us pending charges. Maybe the girl won't press charges. I understand why they take the stand because there's really this climate of you must be proactive, not reactive when you have the right, right, right. domestic violence. But at the same time, while he is being investigated, I would like for either the university or the NCAA to intervene to sit down and talk with him and provide this young man some help. Because behavior like this only gets worse as people get older if it goes unchecked. And anytime a man is okay with putting his hands on a woman, that means that's a learned experience for him. He's seen it happen. Yes. He has no respect for women that way. This is a chance. I'm right. not saying you can rehabilitate and change people, but I do believe at this level there is a certain amount of responsibility that I think the school should be proactive, seriously, because it's your students as well as the NCAA, there should be a partnership to get him some form of help, evaluate him, and be like, okay, has this, is this a, a pattern of behavior you've had before? Because we want to make sure that we can help you with this. Because let's just say you're able to move on in your professional career as a basketball player. You have seen how this has affected so many people. And if you've got anger management issues or if you think domestic violence is okay, if we don't intervene with you, we're setting you up for failure, as so many other people have already done. I do believe there's a level of responsibility here, but not at a professional level, per se. 
Well, here's the thing. If you don't, it's kind of like you got to nip this in the bud right now because the more successful they become and when they play on the level of the Illinois and the Iowa and the Big Ten school and they play in these, these levels, the more godlike they become. And so they become untouchable. They think you understand what I mean. And so the more money you make, the more popular you get, the more attention you get, the more accolades, all of that, the adulation, everything that comes with that, you're going to become more above the more godlike. And so that stems the ego, which means you're really going to start slugging people because you're going to feel like nothing's going to happen because what is somebody going to do to me? So this is absolutely the point and the level that you're supposed to check this and try to help them because it's it's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any yeah. better. The more attention they get, it really won't. Just like that. And I, I'm, I'm with you on that. So it's like, hey, let's go ahead and take this lens and let's focus this a bit better because we know mm-hmm. we're, we're seeing how this spills over and you nailed it. It's like all of a sudden – if you've been allowed to get away with murder all the time, then yes. guess what? You're gonna keep you're gonna keep trying to slay people. That's just the way that it is. All right, mm-hmm. everybody, that's the first hour and then some. <laughs> because I thought these were two building <laughs> conversations and didn't need it to happen. We'll, we'll take a quick break and come back and share some FYI for your information, some things that I think you need to know or we should talk about. All right, everybody, so excited with the Maya Council. I'm glad you Choice, but I <laughs> okay, you know, 
got to be a fan of our nap. <laughs> that's wrong. That's that's just wrong. That's just but wrong. But I love sleepy naps. I do. I just, I love sleepy. I love sleepy naps. <laughs> it's best. I go to. I take a nap in a minute. People are like, how old are you? I'm like, don't worry about it. I'm sleepy. I'm taking a nap. Love them. They're awesome. Well, you know, here's the thing. Daylight savings time kicked off obviously on Sunday, and even though you mm-hmm. you know you spring forward, remember what you were taught in school: fall back, spring right. forward. It's just an hour, but interesting enough, it takes a bit to adjust to losing that hour of sleep. So I gotta admit, I felt a little a little bit kind of dragged, you know, dragging like like yesterday and today. Um, I look outside the window and it's still dark when it's supposed. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that. I'm like, this has got me all kind of messed up. So interesting enough, I think whoever created this day knew right after daylight savings time is when you should encourage people to start wanting to take a nap. So. I said there are some benefits to napping, even though I don't think you have to convince any adult why they should take a nap. No. I think we're to the point where we like napping, but I figured just so you know when you do decide to take that nap, it's totally, it makes sense to do so. So some of the things, and by the way, some of the photographs that are out there with the napping are just so cute, and they're all animal pictures, which <laughs> are weird. But I'm like, you know, people, we like to nap too, and we were just as content in doing it. But what they were talking mm-hmm. about, and there's like seven different benefits were out there. So remember earlier we talked about that it, it's good for helping to deal with stress mm-hmm. um, as well as high blood pressure. So it actually has health benefits. They're saying it can help to reduce your blood pressure and actually stave off heart attacks. Now, there are some mm. Greek researchers who, who came up with this. And they, they found that if you take a nap at noon, it helps to lower your blood pressure more so than those who stay awake. And they did a study with 400 middle-aged men. Well, here's the problem: they did this. They they did this study in Europe, and you guys get to take siestas. You get take to, a nap. Oh, yeah, here. right. Try to take a, a nap here on U.S. Mm-hmm. at a U.S. employer. They're like, "Where no. are you going? Take a nap? Right. Uh, that no. nap is not too longer than 30, 30 minutes." Hence comes the cat nap because in the U.S. they do not want you to nap at all. But they're saying that no. around noon, it helps to lower your blood pressure. I think it's your body being sedentary, and it allows you to kind of reset. So they're saying that noon right. is the optimal time, which is normally lunchtime, to take a nap. And I was like, okay. So midday nap, okay. they're saying that's, that's, that's the way to go. I was like, mm. Check. Okay. Let's so, hey, check. That's and also been, it's also been, remember, it's also been called the power nap. You know, when you do like that yes. quick 30, that quick 30-minute nap is like, you know, cat napping. That's how they're real lazy for whatever reason to people. And all of a sudden somebody upgrades <laughs> it to, it's a, pow, it's a power nap. We're not cat napping anymore. We're power napping. I was like, right. okay. And you know what's interesting? Today is Albert Einstein's birthday. And they're it saying that he was he understood the importance of, of sleep, that he was he was insistent that he had to sleep ten hours a night plus take mm-hmm. a daytime nap with his regimen. Okay. So if he's any if he's any indication of why yes. he should nap, I'll go with that. And they're also saying this is why this isn't gonna work though. Because this is a European thing. They're saying roughly the nap should be anywhere from sixty to ninety minutes. Okay, who has time to do that? Right, me. I was like, so okay. me. So I'm gonna <laughs> let everybody. You. <laughs> me. I'm like, that's not gonna work for most people because especially if you're at work, you're lucky if you get an hour break. And I'm like, and if you do, one, you're gonna probably want to eat. But two, if you go take a 60 minute nap, you gonna have a hard time getting back integrated into work. In my opinion, even though they say it helps to recharge your brain, because you just relax, your brain calms down, everything kind of just flows out. I was mm-hmm. like. I don't know, but they're saying if you can do a 60 to 90 minute nap, that that's almost as good as eight hours of sleep in the middle of the day because your brain gets to reset. 
I used to take a nap in Chris's office. I was like, I'm going to eat really fast for 10 minutes, and then I would just, like, go. So every day I would take a nap. I was so tired because I went to school at night, and then it was like the day. I mean, it was just, and I used to take naps, and I really, that recharged, that reset my button. I used to take a nap, it was like a 45-minute nap. I would eat for, like, 10, 15 minutes and knock out for, like, 45 minutes every single day, and it was well, amazing. They're saying, they're saying that they're being, they're saying even though 60 to 90 is optimal at 30 minutes, yeah. that's all you have. They said it still can mm-hmm. improve your creativity and things like that. So even if it's only 30 minutes, they're like just giving yourself downtime. It's totally worth it. I think a key benefit, though, is, is it can reduce stress. They're saying yes. that, you know, anytime you take a nap, that it's good for you in regards to helping you to kind of just reduce stress, um, also your cardiovascular function. Um, are reduced, so your 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 body is just kind of in a recharge mode. So once you come out of it, it makes you more alert, and any stresses that you had tend to de-escalate at that point because you're just shutting everything down. I was like, okay, I could see that, especially if if, if you're in a stressful situation at work. Often, if you just remove yourself and you can go get some yes. quiet, sometimes mm-hmm. just that helps alone. But but and I'm easy. But if you're really stressed, I, it's kind of hard to go to sleep when you're stressed. Because what I find is your mind won't shut down. Like the racing thought yeah. thing, you're thinking too much. So I was like, I get that. But sometimes, depending on what the stressor is, it might be hard just to shut it down. Here's another one that's probably good, and I think this is true. It actually helps to reduce mistakes because when you take a nap, it restores your alertness and enhances mm-hmm. your performance. They said so because you're more alert, you will make fewer mistakes. I think, you know, that's interesting. I'm like, so when kids are in preschool, they get to take naps. But I think that's because instructors and teachers need time. They need quiet time from the kids, not because the kids need a nap. So wait a minute. Does this mean school-age kids, we should all have them napping, like, for an hour? They should have been knocked out, yes, for an hour. Yes, (laughs) knocked out for an hour. (laughs) I I don't know, but I was like, I could could see that if you're more mentally alert, I could totally see making fewer mistakes. So there's. There's you know what? Benefits of napping. That, here's the thing. When I met Dick Gregory, he told me three things, and I never tell people the other two things, but I do tell. And he like related to the comedy, amazing. But he told me three things, and one thing he was like, and when I say this, I want you to listen to me. And he was like, listen to me, good. He said, rest. And I looked at him. He was like, I'm not kidding you. He was like, get your rest. He was like, relax. It will come to you. Just let it come. And rest. He was like, the number one killer is people running around thinking they never have to rest and sleep, and they're doing. And I and I started watching a lot of people, and they we sleep, we grind. And I've been up for three days, and they think the more they churn out and work and get to say I haven't been asleep, look how hard I'm working. He was like, that will kill you. He was like, just let it come and rest. And so I was like, well, you you kind of got to listen to Gregory. He's like 94. He's still rolling. So you got to kind of listen to him. You know what I mean? He's still. Well, he was like, please you know rest. Yes. Well, obviously, he, he's on to something because the article that talks about the napping, it ends with saying that regular poor sleep puts people at serious risk for things like obesity, heart disease, mm-hmm. and diabetes, and it shortens your life mm-hmm. expectancy. They said you need yes. an average, a minimum of eight hours. Some people are like, I'm on four. Even though you might think you can function on four, that's you, that's you saying that. Your body really needs a full eight hours. They said also, when you're sleep deprived, you're more susceptible to things like the cold, the flu, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so it's interesting that, you know, if you have chronic sleep issues, you should address it, not just be on the napping because it really does affect you on many levels. So yes. I am good with National Napping Day, and I do believe when the show Me is too. over, I will, commit to, I will commit to 60 minutes. I will make sure that I support this cause, <laughs> and I'm going, to, I'm going to commit. I'm going to support today. To 60 minutes okay. of napping. All right, another <laughs> story, and we talked about this. FYI, especially since summer is coming, I'm going to revisit this again. 
So, as you know, there were several states that had issues with their driver's license being the standard of Homeland Security. And interesting enough, yes. Illinois was on the list. I'm like, come on. Mm-hmm. You knew what you, – and, and, and they've had more than, they said, seven to eight years to get this in line because, you know, people's driver's license expired, and they were asking for the states to put the security measures on the new license as people were renewing. So this wasn't something that would right. be changed, like, all at once. And several states, like Minnesota was in there, um, Illinois was in there, failed to do this. It really disappointed me with Jesse, you know, with, with Jesse White. And I was like, Jesse, mm-hmm. what? What right. were you doing that you didn't meet, meet Homeland Security? So, interesting enough, we get a little bit more time to get this together because they're saying as of October 2020, if this has not been resolved by states, that even domestic air travel is going to be having an issue with you being able to have a driver's license, and they're going to be looking at something more like passports. Passports. There's still 26. Okay. There's still 26 states that don't meet the federal regulation. They've been given an extension up into October of this year to get it right now. At that point, I'm not sure if you're going to be penalized. And if you only have a driver's license, you may want to consider getting a passport because passports meet all the criteria that Homeland Security is asking for. So. I'm trying to figure out what, because we have a complicated license. It's not like we we have a hologram on it and everything. So (laughs) I'm trying to figure out what more do we doggone need? Like, do I have to pop out in 3D off of this damn thing? I don't know what else they need from us because it's a whole, you can scan it. They scan it at grocery stores. Like, if you buy liquor, they can just stick it in them and they scan it to make sure that you are actually 21. It's not. I mean, it's high tech. So I'm like, what more do we need on our driver's license? I don't know what they're looking for. It's part of the Real ID Act. They never tell you exactly because our license, I've noticed in Illinois over the last couple of renewals, has looked different. Um, it's had yes. different things like you can no longer just before it was like, oh, just here, put the sticker on it, and you're good. No, right. no, no you got to come in. You, you need a new license. So I've seen it evolve over the last couple of years. So I don't know what's missing because I'm with you. It's got a, a, another like you know underneath it, a hologram type thing. It's got yeah. all kinds of stuff going on. So I don't know what we've missed. And they never quite tell you, and that's probably for fall reasons, but it's part of the real idea. Right. So um, this driver's license thing is not being resolved, and there's 26 states, Illinois, California, Minnesota are on it. You might want to think about getting a passport or a passport card, which is a little bit cheaper than a passport, because that is meeting all the criteria. So if you've got travel in your future, you might just want to go get the passport and be done. But FYI, I love this. There's always – one, I think this is just a way to generate more money for the government. But passports now – are under the list of items that can be revoked by the IRS. For the IRS. If you, Isn't that something? If you are delinquent, it wasn't initially on the list. So if you, <laughs> that if you're is not horrible. Uncle, right. If you are not right with Uncle Sam in regards <laughs> to your federal taxes, he can now take your passport from you. So before it was they could keep your, they could keep your tax return. They could actually right. keep you from leaving the country even if you had a pass. Actually, what's interesting about this is if you own delinquent taxes, they will deny you a passport because I know that happened to somebody. If you have to leave with child support, they will deny you access to a passport. So if you have one and you now owe IRS taxes, guess what? They can pull your passport. Not physically come get it from you. They can just make it that you can't use it. Or you try to, like, go and be like, I would like a window seat, please. They're like, no, what you will be doing is going home, and you're about to give me this. That's what's going to happen. Like, what now, is happening? Like, n- you get to n- the no counter, good. they just snatch your passport? Like, okay, you can't take this trip? Like, how does that no work? Good. They have put a, a very specific guideline on this. If you owe more than $50,000 in delinquent tax, that's... Oh, you shouldn't be traveling nowhere. You shouldn't... You can't right. afford to go nowhere. You owe me fifty grand. You shouldn't be going anywhere. You should take your butt home. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
You can't travel. You can't afford before, to travel. Before, before they come take it, they, they file a lien so you know that it's coming. That's their way of saying we're going to make you deal with this debt in, any, in some way, shape, or form. So just a couple things, FYI, that you should know about. All right, everybody. We're going to go to our next segment, Say What. And this, I'm going to tell you something. This, the first story we're going to lead off with is very disappointing to me because this is why I don't often like to give the charities because I always feel there's going to be some form of blatant abuse for something that's positive. We've seen it with the Red Cross. Well, the next organization mm-hmm. to take advantage of people bleeding hearts and wanting to help, the Wounded Warrior Project is now under scrutiny Terrible. for this appropriation of Terrible. funds. We'll take our break and we'll come back and we'll talk about it. Say what? Are you kidding me? It's the Maya Kaiser. We'll be right back.
Also unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Braden. We're into our next segment. Say what? Those headlines that make you say, is that possibly true? Can anybody really do something like that? Or can they possibly be that stupid? Well, those stories exist, and we like to share them. You're always welcome to join the conversation since you're tuned in. 310-8075-211. Don't be shy. You can get social with the show. You can find me as well as a lot of the stories I post on Facebook and Twitter at the Maya Akai Show. Nikki, how can they connect with you? I'm Nikki Braden on Facebook and Twitter, the Nikki Braden on Instagram, and the chat room's open, guys. All right, so I'm always really leery of charitable organizations. And a part of it is because I know there's human involvement. And where there is human involvement, Nikki, there tends to be, there's going to be some kind of snafu or abuse. I hate, and Mm -hmm. we've seen it happen so frequently that people get these heart-wrenching stories or they have a cause that is, you know, close to their heart for personal reasons or whatever, and so they decide they want to contribute. And sometimes people do this on a regular basis. Part of the reason I don't get to big organizations is because I'm just waiting for the shoe to fall for someone to say funds have been misappropriated. And here it comes, uh, one of the biggest charitable organizations that many people support because it's about the troops is the Wounded Warrior Project. I mean, they have Mm -hmm. celebrities that support this and Mm -hmm. have done the commercials, trying to get people. Because as we know, there's definitely a huge disconnect with how this country treats its veterans. That The the follow-through is not there in regards to when they come home having resources, dollars, different things like that to survive. So these different organizations exist, and this is one of the largest ones. Now we come to find out that two top executives admit reports of lavish spending have been fired. Mm -hmm. I just shake my head because so many people donate to this cause. I mean, seriously. Give the dollars. They do it for the right reasons. And here these two are, spending money lavishly that's meant to go to the troops. And my thing is, one, how many people now will step back from this and not even support it because you don't know what to expect. So the board of directors fired the chief executive officer, Stephen Nardizzi, and the chief operating officer, Al Giordano. So these two individuals have been, they've been terminated as of last Thursday, as an independent review was done by the organization, and they found some policies and procedures that didn't seem to be right. They weren't kept in place. Things were out of, kind of out of sync. And this organization has had rapid growth. So they hadn't been doing these kind of evaluations on a regular basis. And when they started to do it, all of a sudden they noticed some things weren't quite right. And what's interesting is they generate lots of dollars. And what they found yeah, yeah. is many of the donations were going towards employees. So yeah. $26 million went to the company's conferences in 2014 alone. Think about what I just said. Mm-hmm. This is misspending. $26 million went to the company to have a conference. Conferences. Yeah. They're saying like, that what? 50 to 60% actually go to the vets, and then everything else is overhead and I'm doing air quotes when I say overhead but that's air travel and luxury resorts and top parties and over the top parties and that kind of thing and that's where the money is going like they're saying this guy took a um, trip they had meetings in Colorado Springs a luxury resort and that's where a lot of the money was going to just the you know top tier parties luxury travel resorts all of that kind of thing yeah so and they're saying 50 to 60% that to vets it was um 
Narduzzi, and they're saying he's this very over-the-top guy that in one of the events they were having that he rappled down the side of a building. Um, One of the events, he's also rode in on segways. Um, He's coming on a horse. I'm like, what? Nobody was like, how are you riding a horse? How are you coming in a meeting on a horse, dude? Like, where are you getting horse money from? Like, nobody asked that question. That is obvious. If you trot in on a horse, I'm going to be like, okay, that was cute, Maya, but where do you get horse money from? I'm just going to ask you that. Like, I need to know that. Nobody's asking and, that. And and the sad part about this is they are a non-for-profit organization, which means they get right. tax breaks. That's the point. For, it's for a good cause. And I don't care that... 80% of it goes to vets. That's what you figured out right now, that 80% goes to vets. More than that, there has to be a way that all you need to pay for are expenses, honestly, for having a, you know, having your employees. I don't understand why sure. you need to have conference. What, what are the conferences for? Do, do a teleconference. Keep it cheap. Keep it simple. It doesn't what need is to the be horse popular. about? Uh, Even if you have a conference to appreciate your employees, okay, but what is the horse about? What do you need a horse for? And why are you scaling down a building like Spider-Man? You're doing too much. Why would you do that? That has nothing to do with the Wounded Warrior Project. This is just people, this is greed at its best. This is terrible. It is. It is, and it's unfortunate because it's an important organization. Resources Mm -hmm. are needed for many veterans, and, like, now people will look at this, even though 80% went to it and say, do I really want to do this? Is there a better way to try to get dollars and resources into hand of veterans that need it? I mean, it's just, it's very disheartening. And this is, I'm like, this just kills my charitable spirit. I said, because this is why I'm so reluctant to ever donate to anything because I'm waiting for the report of misappropriation to come. It never fails. Anytime it never fails, but I always like to think that my dollars actually got to a veteran because if you don't, if you don't donate, then they won't get anything. Or just think what they wouldn't get if you don't. So I always try to just, even when I, I'm, I'm donating out of the goodness of my heart, and I always just try to think that it's going to go to the right places out of the goodness of my heart. Like no matter what you do with it, it came from the bottom of my heart. That's what a donation is. So I just try to look at it from that perspective because if not, then – you know, we wouldn't help anybody, and then it would really be bad. So i just be like, okay, you're going to give this. Hopefully it will get to the right place. It's from a good place. It's from your heart. And hopefully what you do with it now is not up to me. But hopefully, you know, it will go to the well, right they, place. Well, well, the Wounded Warrior Project obviously fires those two individuals, and they've already started restructuring a lot of stuff that they do. Um, they're mm-hmm. checking. They're keeping a closer, a closer eye, like, on travel. So if employees need to travel, they have to fly economy class. They're cutting back on, like, employee expenses. They're already starting right. to do it in because they realize Good. that they generate. Think about think about what I said about the misappropriation, $26 million million, on company yeah. conferences. So here's, here's, here's what that tells me. If they had $26 million and that's a 10 or 15% of what they're bringing in revenue in 2014, this is an organization that generates a lot of dollars. If they got yes. $26 million to kick around, what tells you it's the importance and you don't want to lose the momentum of it, so at least for them, right. they they had a they had a certain amount of accountability. They said, "Look, we have these two clowns right here who, for some reason, they gotta forgot go. what we're here to do. They they're out of right. here, but we're still committed to helping our veterans." And, and, and you're right. You hopefully people won't be like, oh, "Forget it. I'm just not going to do it." Mm-hmm. Because it's a necessity. It really it's it really helped a lot of individuals. It's just sad that these two men yeah. didn't understand the gravity of what they were doing. I, I, a segue, a horse. Really? I'm just right. like. 
I would have been, I would have been like you. I would have been in the audience like, what's this all about? Um, <laughs> is this Spider Man now? This, uh, I'd be like, is this a wall climbing retreat? I mean, what is going on here? I mean, I just would have questioned mm-hmm. that. Like, and I'm sure it was people questioning it, which probably brought this full circle to a degree. I guarantee you that's part of what it is. Another story out there that's worth knowing about, and thank you for tuning into the show. FYI, remember, if you are a caller and you have a comment you'd like to make, it's imperative that you hit the one button because it tells me you have your hand up. So if I just see you in my queue and I don't see a question mark, that tells me you're just listening, which is fine. But if you have a comment, ah, there you go. So we have a caller. Oh, I didn't push one. <laughs> they, didn't, they, they didn't spin now, so now I know they have something. Like, like, no, right, I just want all right. Welcome to the Maya Kaya Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Brink calling from the 414. What can we discuss today with you? Hey, Maya. How are you? I'm good. How are you? And uh, Nikki, how you doing? I miss you on the days at the score. You had a great show there in Chicago. Thank you. I appreciate oh, that. I appreciate that. Um, I want to comment on a few things. First, the Wounded Warrior Project, 100% I agree with you. It's, in my opinion as well, greed and people taking advantage. Mm-hmm. It, there's no place for that when it's such a non-profit organization. There's no excuse for such actions. And I wholeheartedly agree with you. What I don't agree with you on is the Donald Trump issue. Regardless, I know well, everyone's wait, 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 Which one? Because we had a lot. Which one? We had a lot. Which one? I understand, and I respect that. And 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 I, I everyone's saying he's a racist. I, I so tell me from what racist comment has he made? Okay, let me tell you. What racist comment has he not made? I'm going to give you a specific one. I'm sorry, caller. I said you're from the 414. What's your first name? My name is Charles. Okay, Okay, Charles. Here's something he said that I had a problem with. When he made his comment about Hispanic people, and uh, the wall, fine. That's That's not the issue. When he were like, they're all criminal and racist, he took an entire group of people, he marginalized them and made stereotypical and racist comments. That's a racist comment to me, is it not? Uh, he first of all, it's not exactly what he said, and second of all, he retracted for people that came out. My understanding, and we could dis- we could respectfully disagree, is okay. this comment was based on illegal criminals that have come into this country. Regardless, agree with or not, it is a big issue, and there's a big issue with sanctuary cities and sanctuary counties. And that comment, if I'm not mistaken was said after that tragedy that happened in San Francisco. After there was an Actually, illegal no, it was before. immigrant. No, it was before. It was before. It, was before. So that's point before. it is a big issue. Illegals that come into this country have to be vetted. Any immigrant, whether it's from Syria, Mexico, the Middle East, anywhere they come from, even Canada, have to be vetted properly. Yeah, right now, I don't the biggest look. issue everyone's saying is he's a racist, he's a bigot, Biggest issue, it seems like he's against the immigration from Syria. He's basing it on by the by the head of the FBI who said that at this time they cannot properly vet each individual trying to come through. And that even if it's only a 1%, that's still 1% too much who has the yeah. radical views and wants to ruin the American way of life. Charles, I don't have a problem with clamping down on immigration. And I do agree with your comment about sanctuary cities like Chicago and New York, because one thing I have said about illegal immigration is they flock to cities where pretty much they can become invisible, but where do they go? Right. Into impoverished areas, areas that are already distressed to begin with. So it becomes a larger problem 
for poorer right. populations than wealthy populations. I don't have an issue anybody who can't follow the process. I have no issue with that at all. I do believe we need to evaluate it because it is an issue. And there's lots of things that come with being an immigrant to this country that most Americans don't know that will make you scratch your head. I don't have an issue mm-hmm. with, like, let's get this together because people are exploiting us. No problem with that. But you don't get to say that people are murdering rapists. You don't, you can't, you can't, here's my thing. When you're in a position like that, that is not the kind of rhetoric that you use. Now, if you want to say, we want people to come here who believe in our values, who believe that the American, you know, dream and the way is something they want to have access to, sometimes people come here who don't value that. You can make that kind of statement, but don't, don't make a generalized statement about a whole group of people. It's just not a good thing to do. It's not a good look. It's just not. But he's also not a politician. He's a businessman. And he's speaking to us as a business person, not as a politician, which I'll be honest. I can appreciate his honesty because at least I know where he's coming from. I'm, oh, I'm okay with that. I know what I'm dealing with. So I just don't particularly care on his, how he talks about people bothers me. See, I'm personally not voting for Trump, but it, what, what bothers me and what I appreciate listening to your show is that people get so, like, adamant and bashing and name-calling against him and protesting. Like you said, you respect his honesty. That's what I believe the, the voters for Donald Trump are appreciating. They've had enough of Congress and Senate and the gridlock and the fighting. They just want someone that will actually say what he means. And, yeah, most of the time, like you said, he's not a politician. He's politically incorrect, and that's undisputed. But that, that's what people don't realize. That's why he's gaining so much attention is because he'll say stuff that a lot of people are thinking. And that's the reason everyone thinks. And I was upset by the protests. I wasn't there, but I saw the clips. And, and I understand there were people there that have been protesting all over, and there's going all over with they're anti-America, stepping on the flag. And I understand that's covered by a First Amendment and freedom of speech. But there comes a point, you've got to understand why people can be outraged by people that disregard the country, regardless if it's I mean, covered by the I, Constitution. You gotta, I, how, how is I, someone I, not yeah. outraged if someone's stepping on an American flag? How is someone Look, not outraged I, I, by I, that? I, I'm I'm with you on that because I've traveled the world, and America may have its fair share of problems, but I guarantee you most people would not want to live anywhere else except for maybe Canada. I but, agree. Um, I keep lobbying for Canada because I'm coming. But uh, it, so I get what you're saying, but at the same time, I don't I don't agree when people. We talked about that earlier. I don't agree when people come to rallies and want to go inside and be disruptive. There's no point to that. You can be a protester outside, but I, I don't I don't think going inside. And at the same time. I don't think that Trump should encourage his 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 supporters to act out aggressively either. Like people are going to come here and that. do that, and I, that's that. Two wrongs don't make a right. So it's, it's that kind 100%. of he, he he said that he's a unifier, but based on his behavior, you're not, he's not being a unifier at all. Right. And that's that's the issue I and have another, with him. I just go ahead. And another, and I agree 100 percent what you're saying. It's 100 percent correct. And another issue I have. With, with, I don't know if you want to call it certain media outlets or whatever it is. And, and, and what bothers me a lot is also people are clamoring for Syrian refugees and all that and, and the rights. What people don't realize is that when they're going to be anti, anti, for example, Israel, springing up another thing since we're talking about the Middle East, and they're anti-Israel in the way of life, and they don't realize that in these certain Middle East countries, 
because a lot of these people who are anti-Israel, our closest ally in the Middle East, and, and they're anti them, they don't realize that in these certain Middle Eastern Muslim countries, that if you're gay, that if you have an abortion, that if you want to drive, you are murdered. But it seems like there's a lot of hypocrisy amongst these people when it comes to this stuff. That they're in America clamoring for women's rights, which there should be. They're clamoring for equal rights for gays and abortionists. But then when it comes to another country, all of a sudden they don't care about that. They, that's out the window. Wow. The only thing they care about yeah. is And that, that's a, also a big bother with the media. Well, that's just not the media. I mean, well, you know, media does put the conversation out there, and people assume that it's informed and it's balanced, and it's often not. And I hear what you're saying. And, Charles, thank you for the call, because we're, we're getting towards the back of the show. But thanks for the call. I thanks for taking it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Part of what is an issue. See, that's what Say What is all about. I encourage people, if you want to call in and be like, Say What? I'm okay with that. But part of what I feel he just addressed, informed people get it. They're like, what? this doesn't make any sense. We are a fledgling nation trying to dictate to the rest of the world how to have good behavior, but yet yes. we ourselves have poor behavior. We're terrible. We're also a, terrible. We're also a country that, that has no identity. So hence, I mean, besides being free and open and things like that, but we don't really have a culture that we, we try to design an American culture, but it's hard to do that because when you are a country of immigrants, everybody's right. dying. Everybody's so different. Of, right. So different. Everyone's vying for their culture to be over somebody else's. Well, we should finally just say we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna melt this all together and take a little bit of this, and that's what makes it so you. It's you know it's a flip. So so it'd be you know Susan B. Anthony kind of thing. But I think part of what he he addressed is true that we will turn our our, our minds away from things that clearly rival things that we are fighting for here. Mm-hmm. He's right. Homosexuality throughout the Middle East and Islamic countries are never gonna fly. You have places no. where you know there's there's female genitalia mutilation and things like that, and you yes. can't have an abortion. It's all about women's rights, but yet we want to give sanctuary to people. And one thing you have to be mindful of is when you decide to give someone sanctuary that is different than what you believe here, you're going to have some problems. But because we believe we are supposed to open our arms to all based on what the statute really right. says, I mean, you're, you're weary. We struggle with figuring out when do we hold the line? When do we say, because of what your country believes, that's not going to fly here? So if you want to be here, clearly, how do you feel about this? It's interesting. And I don't know that we will ever be able to have an answer for that. because No, because you can't poll everybody when they're coming in. And when you, if you do poll everybody that's coming in, they're going to say whatever they want to say. If I want to live in America because it's better than whatever, whatever I believe in, when I get to the gate, if it's a, an American gate to be polled so you can know what I'm going to be about when I get here, I'm going to tell you everything that you want to hear. And then I'm going to get in and then I'm going to do what I want to do. That's exactly – so you, there's no way that you can put a filter on that or you can, like, weed out the bad stuff. I'm doing air quotes. There's no way to do that, and that's the problem that right. we have. We don't know because you can't blame a whole group. You can't lump everybody into a basket. There are people that want to come here and just live and live in as American and have great intentions, and then there are some people who don't. And the problem is you can't figure out who's who, and that's the issue. And that's and that's you know, and it's really interesting because these kind of conversations. I don't know if people realize it. It is like that next layer of development for this country. The first layer was obviously we want our independence from, you know, our, our, our you know, from, from England. We, we fought because we wanted to be independent mm-hmm. and we weren't in line with, it, with the idea of, of monarchy. We wanted to be independent. We fought and we got that. Then that next layer became, oh, wait, we, we had a practice here called slavery and things like this, but now people are saying this isn't right, and so, okay, it's not right. So 
let's let's free them. And that was a fight within itself. And that was another layer of development for the country. Okay, well, now you fast forward, we're at another third layer of development. Oh, and women's rights, put that in there too. That was like a third layer, women's rights, saying, oh, wait, you shouldn't just be in the kitchen? Really? You shouldn't just be popping out babies? You want to, wait, you want to go to work. You want to be educated. Okay, that's a third layer. And you could probably throw a whole bunch in between. And now we have in this fourth layer about 15 different conversations. Now we're back to immigration and LBGTQ rights, and now we're back to talking about racism and how people have been marginalized and they really didn't get the opportunity that was promised to them. Now we have a bunch of conversations going on. So the question is, I don't know if we have a moderator who can work through everything that's going on. And we're trying to use the the Constitution as the guidepost, which, by the way, I keep telling people, it's the spirit of the law. Understand, when people like John Hancock and Ben Franklin and so on and so forth, and Thomas Jefferson, whatever, we're all working mm-hmm. on the concept of, of, of freedom in this country and the Constitution. What they never anticipated were these issues that are before us right now. Correct. So they didn't define marriage any different than a man and a woman, because in their mind, whether people practiced that back in the day or not, thought would be an issue, is that two men or two women wanted to get married. So hence, our right. Constitution is written, and it's technically obsolete, because it wasn't written with any a lot of this stuff in mind because it wasn't the issue of the day. You know what I mean? They were simpler people. Oh, sure. So, but now I mean, we're not simpler people anymore. Right. That, that was a simple time. So the right to bear arms was like you got your musket if somebody came. That was the right to bear It wasn't like you just can do a drive-by. They didn't think that nonsense was going to happen. You know, it was like about muskets right. and protecting <laughs> yourself. They, they had no idea we was just going to start were. driving down the highway shooting uh, people. Or, they had no clue. Well, right, or they weren't looking for assault right. rifles and, and trying to right. freedom of speech. They were talking about give me liberty or give me death. That's what they were talking about. Right. They were thinking about. I want to go bash this person over here. I want to say this because that's not what they were thinking about. So when I write right. the Constitution, I'm like, it just doesn't work to me as a relevant document anymore because it doesn't. It's not reflective of the times. It's not, you know, it's Correct. not a living document the way that it needs to be. But at the same time, it's frightening. I don't know. I just he brought a lot. Of, he brought a lot of good points up, and I don't until we're willing to have an honest conversation as a country. And I, we, and that's we're not. Thing to do. Because everybody wants to get into a, wants to get into a, a safe space. Um, everybody feels what's right for them should matter no, no matter if it's not right for somebody else. People are very entitled. I deserve no. You deserve what you work for. Now, granted, there might be some obstacles along the way, and we should address those obstacles out of fairness. But we have so many things going on. I don't even know how we begin to to, to figure you it can't. out, and that's why I don't particularly care for Trump because I feel he complicates. He muddies the water. He now has his yes. foot, and, and he's stirred, and now nobody can see anything. And I'm like, well, right. people like that, he, he's not a unifier. He's an agitator, and I don't particularly care for that. I, I, I don't. We talked about this. Can you still be a good person but be have a racist view or a, a bigoted view or a sexist view? We, we had just said, yeah, somewhere in Trump, he's probably a good person. It's hard to see it, but, I mean, I'm sure that it's there. People say that about him. So it's interesting. I don't, I don't know, but that's why we say what? <laughs> I, unfortunately, <laughs> I, have no answer, I wish I, I wish I, I wish I did. I mean, I kind of say if people just minded their own business and respected other people for who they were, the world would probably be an easier place. It's to live that in. simple. Like, get, I mean, it really like, is honestly, that simple. Like, get out of my backyard, and we'll, it's all going to be good. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that people are people are so nosy and trying to be in other people's business so much that becomes a problem. But then we have other issues too, like. I, I'm with them on immigration. We do need to deal with it. It's, it's not okay. I feel like when people come here illegally, I don't care where you're from, 
it's exploitation of this country. Because here's my thing, and, and here's I think that's what bothers a lot of Americans as we're winding down the show. Because we are being so gentle with people who are here illegally, but Americans are, but Americans are like this. Let me break the law here, and you are after me, and you are prosecuting me, and you are incarcerating me. So explain to me when somebody who's not even a citizen comes here and takes advantage of you and breaks the law, why are we coddling them with kid gloves? And I think that's what makes people angry because they're like, I'm not sure. getting it. So a citizen, my rights don't matter, but somebody who has no rights, it matters. Those are the things that we have to figure out and, and be honest about, and nobody wants to say it because if you say it, guess what that makes you? A racist? And I, 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 think, it, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we make it so easy for people to just come and be here. I'm like, if you're going to go, I mean, it's just so easy just to come be. Do you know how hard it is for me to open a business? But somebody can just come today and open and get all kind of tax breaks. I'm like, okay, that's not right. We make it so easy. It would take me tooth and nail to open a business. You have no idea the red tape that I would have to go through, but just let somebody come over here and just set up shop and get tax breaks. That makes people angry. You understand? <sighs> we make it so easy for them to just be and like that's not right that's i don't care if you hear but it should be just yeah. as tough for you as it is for me you don't get to just walk in and then jump in line in front of me that's nuts kind of stuff we need, that's the kind of stuff we need to honestly address well we're at the end of the show but i want to i want to make i want to ease everybody's mind richard simmons is, is actually okay it was reported he's been missing for two years and that someone thought he was abducted <laughs> richard simmons, richard simmons was missing. i today. saw him the other day <laughs> he called in the good morning america and confirmed that he is still sweating with the oldies, and it's all good. So Richard, <laughs> Richard Simmons is not missing. That was a funny story to me. I was like, what? What do you mean he's been missing for two years? I, didn't I just see him? You know, I saw him on years. something. I did. I saw him on something. I really, really did. Richard <laughs> Simmons ATV, is he you know, okay. Richard Simmons has been called, it's been called back. All right, everybody, that's it for this oh. episode of the Maya Kai Show Unplugged featuring comedian Nikki Brady. It was a good one. It was a good Monday. Remember, we're on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from noon to 2 p.m. right here on Blog Talk. So if you miss any of the shows, just remember, you can always go to my homepage here or to the iTunes Store podcast section and search Maya Akai Presents, and all the shows are there. Or if you want the easy route, just go to my webpage, mayaakai.com. Hey, you can check Nikki out, too. Where can they find you on social media and your website? I am Nikki Braden on Facebook and Twitter, the Nikki Braden on Instagram, and I too have a website, NikkiBraden.com, N-I-K-K-I-B-R-A-Y-D-E-N. Pop on over there and check me out. Happy Monday. Enjoy your Monday. As always, if you have the opportunity, guys, please do something nice. We need it. We really need there it. There you go. All right. Our time is up. We'll see you, when, see you Wednesday, same time, same place. Everybody, happy Monday. <laughs> Follow Maya on Twitter at The Maya Akai Show, on Instagram at Maya Akai, and friend her on Facebook. Social media is bringing us all closer together. The Maya Akai Show. Radio never looks so good. Eh, I'm going to retweet this.